The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we take a look at the crown jewel of Disney resorts, the Grand Floridian. Like many phone agents you might have spoken to recently, due to COVID-19, we are working at home, so please excuse any dog barking or children crying you might hear in the background. Find all episodes of the podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate positive reviews. If you like bonus content, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered, and if you need help booking or rebooking a trip, you can contact me, Joseph Chung, at Travelmation.net. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So right now we are not visiting the park, so it's a great time to dream, which means we think it's a great time to talk about a deluxe resort. So we are going to spend today giving an overview of the Grand Floridian, where Leslie has stayed a couple of times. And we're just going to talk about, I think, Leslie, would you agree... I think Disney considers this their flagship resort in Disney World. No, I totally agree. That's the resort that is consistently the most expensive. And yeah, that's sort of the one that I guess they put on the glossy brochures a lot of times for the height of Disney luxury. So let's uh, get to it and talk about it. So you you have the most experience there. So I'm going to be leaning on you for your experience. Let's just start with the basics. It's a deluxe hotel. What does that mean? Where is it located? Does it have DVC? Give us all the basics. All right. So we know deluxe means expensive and the Grand Floridian is incredibly expensive and we'll get, we'll talk more about that later. But, you know, it's in the same tier as uh, the Poly and the Contemporary and Beach and Yacht and all of those other top tier properties. And it has two buildings and one is the sort of original Grand Floridian building that is the hotel side of things. I mean, I guess it actually has a couple of outbuildings, but sort of two sections of the hotel. And then there's also a DVC side of things. Um, Disney Vacation Club, which is Disney's timeshare, which we've talked about a lot. And that's where you can stay in some of the villas and, you know, have a little bit more space for your Disney vacation. So there are really two sections of the property that people can stay in when they're when they're ready to spend the big bucks (laughs) at Disney. And one quick note about that. One thing I've found recently, which is sort of annoying, is that if you want to stay in the DVC side, the villas, it's considered a separate hotel on the Disney website. So if you want to look at villas and compare them to regular rooms in this goes for Grand Flow, Poly, wherever, you have to either click on, you know, for the Grand Floridian, the hotel is called Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa, whereas the DVC side is, is called the villas at Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa. So if you want to look for that kitchenette or compare, see how much more expensive that's going to be, you're going to have to check twice, which is frankly pretty annoying. Yeah, very good point. So you've got to do a little bit of work to navigate the strangeness of Disney IT (laughs) to be able to price compare and and amenity compare. So good point. All right. So where is the Grand Flow located? 
So the Grand Floridian is located right on the monorail loop on the Seven Seas Lagoon. So, you know, that loop of hotels, the Polynesian and the, and the Contemporary, and then the Magic Kingdom. There's a walking path between the Grand Flow and the Polynesian. So that's something that I've done before when I'm staying at the Poly is walk over to the Grand Floridian and, you know, enjoy the amenities and the restaurants and all that good stuff there back and forth. And there is something coming soon that uh, there's going to be a new walking path to the Magic Kingdom that is going to be coming soon. Because I know if you've ever seen the layout. I mean, you can see that the Magic Kingdom is not very far from the Grand Floridian, but there was some water in the way and they're going to be building a bridge and a walking path so that folks who are staying there can then do the walk instead of having to wait for boats or wait for the monorail. And I think that's going to be especially valuable in, you know, the coming months and years when that's completed because... I love walking distance being the Disneyland person that I am, right, Joe? Yeah, I think that's going to make a big difference. And I think the issue was for a while, there's that electrical water pageant where the electric boats go along the Seven Seas Lagoon, and they need a place to get out. And that is that space. But I think they're either going to have like some kind of drawbridge mechanism or like a turnout type mechanism so that they can let those floats still go by. And yeah, I think that's going to be awesome once they open that, you know, once they open that walking bridge i'm going to be more tempted to stay at the grand floridian but like we said in a previous episode all of disney's construction projects are getting delayed hopefully this isn't one of them but we'll see when that walkway actually opens yeah fair enough this was just in the early stages before the parks closed so it probably will be a while yeah so it's on the monorail loop what's the easiest way to get from the grand floridian to the different parks so Magic Kingdom is easy, monorail, <laughs> or there is a boat as well that, you know, you can take on occasion, depending upon what the lines look like and the wait times look like. For the other parks, it's bus. That's really the the shuttle buses, which, you know, I don't love, especially now that, you know, some of these moderates and value resorts have got Skyliner access. Um, of course, for Epcot, you can, you know, take the monorail from the, the main monorail loop and then transfer over to the Epcot monorail at the TTC. So I guess the transfer transportation is is not as good as it used to be with the advent of the Skyliner. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, I think the Skyliner has really changed things in terms of like how convenient things look. You know, buses just don't feel the same with the Skyliner around. Okay, so tell me about the theming and what makes the Grand Floridian a unique resort. Yeah, I mean, visually, the Grand Floridian is pretty stunning in my mind. The theming, it's a Victorian era beach resort. If you've ever seen the Hotel Del Coronado in San Diego, it looks very similar to me. It's sort of the white wood and then these sort of reddish orange gables and, you know, with all of the sort of Victorian woodwork and things like that. So it's really just a beautiful hotel. And, you know, I've said before, I remember seeing it being built when my family was going when I was a child to the Polynesian and seeing it across the lagoon going up and being like, I want to stay there someday and finally did get to when I was an adult. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful hotel. And it really feels like a throwback. Um, has this magnificent lobby that, you know, you kind of walk in and, and you gasp. So visually, I mean, Disney has done a very good job with the hotel style, in my opinion. Is that fair, Joe? Yeah, I definitely agree about the lobby. You know, it's just very grand. You know, you can see a couple floors up from the balcony. There's often the band playing that really adds to the ambiance. If you're there at like three o'clock, Cinderella and Prince Charming are like doing a dance. So, you know, they really kind of have that whole grandiose feeling down when you walk into, you know, it is aptly named the Grand Floridian. Um, and so it does really feel opulent um, and extravagant. Do the rooms match up to the opulence of the lobby and the theming in general? 
I would say, unfortunately, they don't. I mean, they're, they're, don't get me wrong. They're very well appointed rooms, but they don't feel luxurious or necessarily period to me. Cause I don't necessarily need it to be luxurious if it's going to be more period and thematically consistent. I mean, to me, when I stayed there, and it, it has been a couple of years in all fairness, but I do not think there's been a, a room renovation of any grand sort since then. I would say I always compare like Disney rooms to like Marriott brands and it's not quite Ritz. It's maybe like a big city Marriott. (laughs) And to me, that's not really. Not a courtyard at least. Not a courtyard, not a Fairfield, (laughs) right? But if you sort of put it on the, it's not top tier luxury hotel, but it's very pleasant. It's the rooms are spacious. The rooms, um, quite a lot of them will sleep five and there's that sort of that extra bed so that you can sleep a bigger family in them, which I think is so great about the deluxe resorts. And, you know, only a couple of the moderates have that as well. So I certainly felt that the room was, was nice, but it wasn't luxury level to me. And and it missed some of the theming that I thought made the lobby so great. It just, it didn't quite capture the spirit and you stayed in a standard room not like the villa with the kitchenette or anything like that from the dvc side yeah yeah i was in a standard room although i was in one of the 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 time that i stayed there most recently i was in one of the side buildings and i had sort of a, a skylight room like maybe a top I'm trying to remember exactly where it was located, but but I definitely had a little bit more of a unique layout than just like the absolute cheapest bottom of the barrel room. Um, it had a weird skylight or kind of gable of in the roof that I was able to maybe give me a little bit more space. That sounds cool. All right. You know, I think Grand Floridian's real claim to fame is its restaurants, of which there are a lot. So, you know, what are some highlights in terms of the dining at the Grand Floridian? Yeah, there's there's so many restaurants at the Grand Floridian, and that really makes it, in my mind, a destination unto itself. I haven't even begun to dine at all the restaurants there, but quite a lot of them are some of the nicest restaurants at all of Walt Disney World. I mean, the one that everyone's heard of who wants to spend a lot of money on food is Victoria and Albert's, and that's one of the the hardest reservations to get at Disney World. It's this, you know, super fine dining experience and you have to have a little luck and as well as make those reservations 180 days out and be willing to drop a whole lot of cash if you're going to dine there. Like this is And not- wear pants. Wear long pants. You have to wear long pants. <laughs> Fair enough. Very important. Very important. And this is not the place that you want to make like, you know, a dining reservation with your five-year-old at all. This is like date night for sure. So I have not gotten to dine there, but... I'm super jealous. I know um, Tom Bricker of Disney Tourist Blog has got a great review of that on his site. So very jealous of him. Then there are two other very nice restaurants. Uh, Narcoosie's and Citrico's are two other sort of table service, nicer, nicer table service restaurants in my mind. I've dined at Citrico's and, you know, they're all kind of, Narcoosie's is more like seafoody and Citrico's is more like Mediterranean, but they're all kind of just nice high-end restaurants. I actually think Citricos is a little bit underrated. It's a pretty easy reservation to get, I guess, because there's so many other really nice restaurants at the Grand Flow. Sometimes Citricos gets overlooked, and I've enjoyed dining there. So if uh, you're kind of late to making dining reservations and you see that one pop up, it's definitely worth it in my mind. Have you dined at any of those, Joe? No, I haven't. I had a reservation for 1900 Park Fair once, which was, that's where the character meal is, but I have only dined at their quick service restaurant. Uh, Quick note, Victorian Alberts, even if you want to bring your five-year-old, you cannot. It's the only place where it's 10 and over 
only. Um, so Disney, quote unquote, adults, you know, how they start treating people like adults when they turn 10. One other note is that um, if you want to spend a lot of money and not eat a lot of food, you can also do the princess garden tea, which is I think you have to prepay. It's like a couple hundred dollars. It has to be at least one adult and one kid. That is, I think people really love that, but it is a ton of money and probably not something that we would ever do. Yeah, I'm shocked at how much money that is. And this is coming from someone, I've done the fancy princess breakfast adventures at the Grand Californian, which is sort of the equivalent, except for it's not the equivalent. Like it's a full meal and it's less money. <laughs> so I was, And I thought it even there was too expensive. So I'm kind of like, wow, whenever I see the princess tea and, and how much it costs. But I guess if you are really splurging and you want to just go with like one kid who is princess obsessed, then that's the thing to do. And I think you do get quite a bit of individual attention from the princesses there because it's a pretty small and intimate tea. But yeah, that's a little little too rich for my blood personally. All right. uh, Any other restaurants or dining establishments that we missed? Yeah, we haven't even touched on all the like quick service and the little places and stuff like that. But one place um, I should call out is Enchanted Rose, which is very new. It's sort of the new loungy thing that is... I guess directed at like millennials who want <laughs> it's not me I'm I'm you know old and don't go to bars anymore but yeah it's it's gotten very good reviews so that's something I have not gotten to check that out yet so something to kind of put on your radar if you're hipper than I am cooler than us basically yeah for sure all right so what about the resort itself you know what kind of amenities does it have what's its pool like what can you do there tell me about that yeah so the Grand Floridian has all the amenities, which it should as a deluxe level resort. There are two big pool areas. There's the courtyard pool and the beach pool, which is, so there's one one giant pool that's sort of behind the main building with the gorgeous lobby. And this pool has got kind of like a zero entry and it's just really huge. It's one of those ones that doesn't have anything super special about it except for its size and kids are going to really just enjoy the the size and the, the zero entry part of it that has, I guess, some little tiny splash jets something like that there but then the other pool which is in between the main building of the Grand Floridian and then the DVC building of the Grand Floridian has got an awesome Alice in Wonderland themed splash pad and it's really tastefully done like it's done with a sort of higher end look it's not not too cartoony but it's so it's very much in keeping with the the sort of elegant theme of the hotel and that's just an awesome awesome splash pad in my mind and there's a water slide at that pool area as well so the pool areas are top-notch at the Grand Floridian for me and a real reason to stay there so if you're gonna stay there you need to make time to enjoy the pools and consider staying there at a time of year when you're gonna use them I'm not sure I would necessarily pay the big bucks like in January where it might be like hit or miss in my mind yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like the type of resort where you can have a lot of resort days and enjoy yourself there. And, you know, if you're paying the money, you definitely should. So if you are hanging out for a resort day, what kind of a, other amenities are there? So, of course, it's in the name. There's a spa at the Grand Floridian. That's I don't think I've ever done a spa day at Disney myself. But if that's your thing, it's there. The other big thing that uh, families need to know is that there's a Bibbidi-Bobbidi boutique in the Grand Floridian. So this is kind of the place where you can do that whole princess thing. And then maybe, you know, if you're going to spring for the princess tea or go hang out in the lobby and see the the characters dancing and uh, you listen to the piano player, then there's a whole lot sort of there that makes it a destination that's pretty special, especially for the princess lover and your family. 
All right. So before we talk about why you should or should not stay there, why don't we talk about the big number? You know, how much is this resort going to put you back? A lot, a lot. And Joe, you probably are actually more (laughs) involved in all of these little price differentials now being the travel agent. But the rack rate for a standard room at the Grand Floridian is in the high 600s. Of course, you can sometimes get discounts on that, but you're not going to find the Grand Flow at like 350, I guess, unless you get like a conference rate. That's sometimes when you can get like a good deal on the Grand Floridian is if you're there for like business purposes. And sometimes those those rates can be really discounted. But like for the regular folk, it's very, very expensive. And then at holiday periods, the, you know, around Christmas, around Thanksgiving, the standard room, and this is like the most basic room is almost $1,000 a night. So it's expensive. Yeah, I was looking for June and the cheapest room right now, uh, the rack rate is like $700. And even with the Sun and Fun room offer, it's like over $500 a night. So it is a pretty pricey hotel. For sure. It's not something that I could, a hotel that I could in good conscience go and stay for like a week. But I think it's a a great opportunity, say, for like a split stay. So if you are going for a week to Disney World, you know, stay there two or three nights and then go somewhere cheaper and, you know, really enjoy the amenities for those two or three days. Because, yeah, it's just, it's just out of my budget. (laughs) All right. So for these hotel overviews, we like to say why someone should or should not stay at the Grand Floridian. So let's start with a positive. Why should you stay at the Grand Floridian if you're planning a trip to Disney World? So you should stay there because it really is the most elegant vacation experience, I think, at Walt Disney World. I mean, the entire experience of the hotel, and even as much as I love the poly, I mean, it really is next level just walking into that lobby every time and getting to enjoy all the all the amenities of the hotel and the dining of the hotel. So for people who sort of like that luxury, relaxed vacation, I think the Grand Floridian delivers it best. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I mean, it's where all the celebrities stay. So I mean, it can't be that bad. <laughs> why would you not stay there? Or is it just the price? Let's let's be a little creative. Besides the price, why wouldn't you stay there? I'll well, put you on the spot. Sure. I, I wouldn't stay there because I still don't think the location is that great, especially now that so many of these other hotels have Skyliner access. And I've always said of the, the Seven Seas Lagoon hotels, I've always thought the Polynesian has this superior location because of being able to walk to the TTC and then take the monorail straight to Epcot and then also the monorail straight to the Magic Kingdom. So for me, I guess it just doesn't quite have the location advantage, especially, you know, in light of the price. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm all about that walk. So I prefer the poly, but in terms of convenience, the contemporary is great. So once Grand Flow gets that walkway, you know, we'll see if that tips the scales. Before we get out of here, do you have a Grand Floridian related Disney do or don't? Most definitely. So my Disney do is do visit the Grand Floridian, even if you're not staying there and do an activity or, you know, dine at a restaurant because it is a destination that's worthy of visiting just for any Disney World visitor in my mind. And even though I've only stayed there, you know, one time, I have been to the Grand Floridian many, many times because I'm going there to seek out the the, the offerings that it, that it has. So it's definitely worthy of a visit, even if it's not in your budget. Yeah, that's a great tip. I totally agree. If anything, at the very least, check out Cinderella and Prince Charming dancing at 3 p.m. That's totally free. So, you know, it's just worth checking out for the ambiance and, you know, just getting a feel for luxury Disney and what that looks like. So if you have stayed at the Grand Floridian or if you have any opinions, thoughts, or tips you'd like to share, please contact us, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at WDWDeciphered on Twitter or on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. We love to hear your feedback. As always, we hope everyone is staying home and safe. We look forward to the chance 
to visit the Grand Floridian in the future when they open back up. Other than that, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for your time, Leslie, and I will see you in the lobby of the Grand Floridian. Thanks, Joe.